we're constantly becoming, right? We're becoming all of the time and it's going to change for every birth. That's how we know it's a bit individualized. And what is needed for one person is not going to be needed for another person. Hi, my name is Augustine Colebrook, and I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. I speak on this podcast about big picture, political issues, and the future of our profession. Hey, y'all. I am Jamara, and I'm a midwife. I'm also a birth justice activist. And this season, I am looking forward to sharing stories of Black midwives and the communities they serve. Hello, beloved birth community. I'm Angela Love, nurse midwife since 2004, preceptor and mother. I have a home birth practice called Midwife Love and a national telehealth practice called Midwife Rx. My mission is to keep birth choices available and to educate the next generation of midwives for our daughters and grandchildren. Matriarchy Now. I'm Layla Wyatt. I get to share with you the voices of student midwives from across the country and beyond. This season, we focus on those students who just graduated, are about to sit for the NARM, or did yesterday, and we get tips and tricks for you for what happens at the end of the student midwife journey. Welcome to the Midwifery Wisdom Podcast, and here we go again. Today, I am joined by the amazing Nicole Morales. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. Will you give us your introduction? Who are you? Where are you in the world? What are you about? Um, I'm in San Diego, California right now, and I'm a mother, a home birth midwife. I have a small home birth practice. I'm a breach mom, a breach advocate. Um, I'm a midwife who's incorporating um, body work for fetal positioning, as well as for comfort and ease and uh, general nervous system work with um, individualized care. I am a spinning babies approved trainer. I teach shoulder dystocia and breach and a storytelling class about going deeper as a birth worker into the work that we do that's like metaphors for counseling. I'm doing some work with uh, breach competency paperwork um, so people can keep that themselves, kind of track their journeys to competency. I'm a co-author of The Breach Release, Opening Pathways for Midwifery and Prenatal Body Work, and working on a new book, too, um, having to do with uh, storytelling and going back to the basics of midwifery. Wow, this is amazing. What a variety of things you're involved in. And also, it kind of all makes perfect sense. You're like creating this rich content. It's amazing. Um, <clears throat> I love, I want to start first with the bodywork piece. I, I love what you're doing. And I don't know who coined it, maybe Caitlin Clark up in the Bay Area, but this idea of birth biomechanics, this idea of understanding the anatomy and physiology of the pregnant body and the, the neonatal body so clearly that we are conversating about their relationship to each other. Do you call this birth biomechanics? Does that raise resonate with you? Um, you know, I, too I patriarchal that... of a term. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems very straightforward and rigid, uh -huh. um, and it's so not my, at all. <laughs> and it's not at all. Um, yeah. But I also 
can also resonate with some aspects of that because in some ways that that works and um and also realizing that there's this uh this flow to it and this change to it it had to do with anatomy and physiology and also revisioning that because you know anatomy and physiology as we've learned it or how it's written um has a lot of opinions written across it and a lot of uh damage done to it throughout the years and true um, so so yeah it's a little more fluid than biomechanics but yeah I I agree that that's definitely where I lean towards and how I see um a lot of the work we do if you could give it a a better or a new name what, what would you give like what what's a phrase that you would use for this it's an interdisciplinary it's an inter like we're, we're, it's an intersection of lots of professions, really. Wouldn't you say? I don't know. I just kind of started calling it midwifery. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's perfect. so I came into, I was first exposed to some of this work going to a midwifery conference in Oaxaca, yeah. um, back when I was um, a newer birth worker and there's all this yeah. information, you know, this depth to yeah. it. And here I am newer, yeah. just skimming some things off the top yeah. just by exposure. But yeah. it was this aspect of really being able to see how movement and gravity and body work all comes together. And um, at the time that I learned Wait, it, let's just say that again, movement and gravity and, and body work. Yeah. Okay. It, well, it. you know, it, and, and I can also say physiology, right? Because the yeah, nervous yeah. system, you know, like, this is the work we do as midwives yeah. or as birth workers in general is that we commune with people's nervous systems. Yeah. In, in the ceremony of birth. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it can be also the prenatal or it can be, I do breach body balancing. I do a lot of breach advocacy, um, yeah. see anywhere from zero to five people a week who are presenting breach yeah. at the end of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like the session with them is not just about turning the baby, you know, baby, right. babies have inside information, right? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. They're just, they're just messengers of what's, what their experience is inside. Right. But we, that's another powerful tweetable. I'm just going to make you repeat that. What the babies have inside information and they're messengers from the inside. Yeah. They have. Yeah. And then one more, which was like, they're just expressing their experience, right? Isn't that what you were saying? Well, they are. They're they're telling us what the space is. It's so true, but it's brilliant. The space, the, the psychology, the nervous system, the influence, the exposure, the everything they're they're expressing the 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 sum total of their environment that's a brilliant quote yeah well you know it's it's also the constellation of where they're they are right you know and there's so many things that add to where they how they've found this position i mean even looking at like breach running down both maternal and paternal lines you know which Mm -hmm. you know down the paternal lines what what's that about legacy working something out important that happened some other place time but you know it it's uh i think i think in doing that work it's that sacred space of realizing that we're working with relationship you know and and this baby's being cradled within a cradle within a cradle right and um how do we just see possibility but also but also be able to track 
you know, that relationship and, and that plays forward when, you know, we go to birth as well. Right. It does. And I, yeah, I think, I think you're in the nuance, like you said, below the surface into the depth now as a senior midwife and uh, yeah, the relationship that we have with birth as midwives, the relationship that we have with ourselves, with our own births, with our own mothers, we're bringing that into every situation. And so then this is where I think your work is some of the most important work that's happening is this idea of getting clear enough to actually help clear other things. And that's what you've done. So you, you were first exposed to this in Oaxaca. Tell me like what happened? How, how did it evolve from there? Well, I mean, I, I have to say, I'll, I'm going to back up a little bit even before that. Yeah. I, I came in through the lens of 1990s home birth in California. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I had a, um, a pretty purist view of how birth should be <laughs> and how it can play out. And, um, and in the process, watch my midwife go to prison and during my second pregnancy. So that all, that kind of changed also different ways. I began to see, uh, birth work in general. And so just wanted to weave that in there just cause it's kind of starting there. doesn't really start there. Yeah. But when I came back from Oaxaca, um, I was gifted a proposal by um, Doña Mila down there and, and um, someone else gave me one as well. And I assumed that I just hadn't gotten the memo about like how to, you know, how to use um, gravity and movement and the proposal and just started to bring it into a, a volunteer program I was at. I was also returned to um attend midwifery school in someone's basement at the time here in San Diego, which eventually became the only accredited school in California. But, um, you know, so I, I just, I returned with this and just began to use it how I had known or how I had learned. And I began to observe things um, like shifts in labor patterns, not just like you know, it had a bit of magic to me. It still does, right? Like you're doing something magical and it shifts things and things change. And it's not like I was really thinking about really what's happening inside. It was like, oh, I was bringing this, this uh, particular gift to this moment because it was being called for, because it brought comfort or, you know, sometimes it would, some would say even prayer to that moment, you know, in the sense of, please <laughs> let's create some change yeah. um, on your knees, begging, please. That's right. That's right. Labor. You know, um, yeah. so, you know, it's th that, that's really where things headed. And then I had my, um, I started an apprenticeship and then got distracted by having another baby. And that was my third baby who was breech. And um, she's one of my biggest teachers too. She continues to be, she's pretty amazing still keeping her head up next to my heart. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, after her birth and it was a pretty straightforward home birth. And, um, after I finished most of my apprenticeship and was ready to, um, you know, sit for my exam and start moving into my own practice. Um, I decided to have a bigger picture of how to start looking at breach. And so started seeking out mentors and just going to like different conferences that were going on. I had missed by one day, the um, one in Vancouver for, for breach and um, made the next one in Washington, DC. But in the meantime, I had ended up in Indianapolis by 
um, a workshop that Rick Sapriz had put on um, with Peter J. O'Neill and Betty Ann Davis. And, you know, I, what had happened before is I was searching out answers about gravity and movement to, um, as well as creating space to resolve breach complications. And I wasn't able to find my answers anywhere. And that was really frustrating for me. And it was at that workshop that I had really, I had I'd seen Gail Tully before when Spinning Babies came through town. And, and when Spinning Babies came through town, I thought, I don't need to take Spinning Babies. I'm really good at this. But then the resolving- a lot of midwives think that. And then they attend it and they're like, oh, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. I mean, I took So when just, did you meet Gail? When did you well, meet Well, I had met her in probably 2010. But uh -huh. then when I, when I was at this workshop, probably 2012 is really when I sat and talked with her and I just accidentally ended up in her simulation line. She wasn't really teaching. She was just helping with simulations. And I began to ask these questions and she was laying it out. Like, these are the things that we see normally and how, and why they work within the pelvis with rotations for breach. And I was like, wow, this is what I'm looking for. So I started to write it down. So all the way home on the plane, I'm sitting with what she had told me, trying to find the right acronym to remember <laughs> all this I had just learned. And um, that was our first connection. And and really, I think the the reason she um, eventually asked me to, to come on as a Spinning Babies trainer is to um, kind of bring in as a trainer more of those aspects of of breach and and shoulder dystocia because they're so you know one informs the other what i yeah they're in I, reverse that's, that's what right. i always tell too it's the same complication in reverse yeah exactly yeah and also mm -hmm. just like realizing that all the breach work that i'm doing is really informing me about head down babies uh-huh you know it just it's so fascinating us. yeah it suspends yeah, yeah. us for us because we see things differently uh -huh. and we see things that are different right like like with my hands, I learned so much more about polyhydramnios or like, you know, high levels of fluid, low levels of fluid, um, bicordant uteruses, interesting shapes of uteruses, you know, like what's, what's cradling this baby and you find different things that come up with breach. And so, uh, yeah. so that's really taught me a lot about, about these head down babies too. Right. Yeah. It's also fascinating. Um, so Tell me exactly what do you do with spinning babies? You you teach the the workshops for people around the country. What is that like? Who are you meeting? What are you doing? Tell us tell us more for someone who hasn't attended one. Well, I'm not a very practical trainer um, because I'm a, still a midwife and um, my heart's in midwifery. And I just taught this week. I'm teaching twice at UCST Medical Center here in um, San Diego, which as a home birth midwife, I never thought I'd be teaching in hospital to nurses yeah, and doctors. Great. Um, great. But I'm good at it. I, I also have a birthing from within background. And so I, me too. I want to explore I, that I, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that I, I started birthing from within the same month I started midwifery school and it kind of saved me from a bunch of righteous pitfalls. Yeah. And yeah. allowed me to develop a language of non-judgment that yes. really resonates, I think, in a hospital setting. Yes. Because it's authentic and real that I'm validating people where they're coming from. And, and also that I'm looking for those places where we all meet, right? Um, yeah. We all 
are meeting with anatomy and physiology and yeah. better birth experience. But I'm, you know, it also can look like teaching out of hospital to community settings, smaller yeah. groups, bigger groups. I'm just a little bit, I probably teach a little bit less than a lot of the other trainers because mm-hmm. I'm on call for births and yeah. Um, what is I'm it still, like um, teaching doctors? Like, what is that like for you? Well, you know, there's not that many doctors, but the doctors I have, like, yeah, I had a res, I had some residents this week and, you know, just really shifting it from the cervical centric question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that it's all about the cervix. And I always say, we're looking at the hole instead of the hole. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and really just you start seeing the lights go on. And I finally got a question at the end of the last workshop from a resident who was somewhat new. And she just said, so you're saying we can have a negative three station and have someone who's dilating and it's seven and eight centimeters, but it doesn't matter. And I said, well, it, you know, it matters that the baby's negative three and we could have a nine centimeter cervix, but you know, the door is open, but is anybody walking through? So it it feels really good to be able to kind of spiral this information systematically so that we can get into the anatomy and then into the, the, it's really all all of it's storytelling, Augustine, really it is. It's all storytelling. I know, I know. The research is storytelling. into this, I'm like, we're telling stories. We're humans. We're just telling stories. They're all stories. The research is storytelling. The spinning babies is storytelling, you know, the cervical centric uh story is there and you know so the question is how do we heal or change the roots of the stories so that people can begin to see something different yeah 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 I love that and there are so few people willing to like really grapple with this reality is that Um, it's, it is all storytelling. It's all fantasy. Like all of it in some respect is fantasy. Like it's just really what belief system are you attached to as whether you see what is like, that's not a story. That's a fact. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I love that you're, that you see that too. I, I play with that all the time. And, and the research studies are some of the best stories (laughs) and the most made up stories in some ways, you know, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love going to the old obstetrical textbooks too and seeing what the storytelling is there and, you know, and what parts of those stories get like pulled through to the day and which parts get kind of slop up to the side and Yes, absolutely. I was a sociology anthropology major originally, and this is like my like juice. I'm like, yeah, what made it through? <laughs> That's fascinating. Well, so let me let me uh, pull one of the stories that teases my brain a lot and see your opinion. This one stage versus two two stage delivery. These these are great stories that have made it through the ages. Um, tell me, like, what do you talk about? Like, because a lot of medical folks will be like, oh, but you know, tell me what, what do you, what do you, what, what's kind of story refuting do you have around this whole thing? Oh, I kind of like <laughs> to teach this. I mean, I like to teach first, second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, like 110th stage, you know, and now that I'm yeah, 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 yeah. adult kids. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I like to, I like to actually start with the first, second stage and just like, oh, what is it? how is it defined and then slowly start pulling it apart <laughs> by 
working into, I, I mean, because, you know, as we know, first and second stage is typically retrospective anyways, but, you know, yeah. it's starting to fill it, pull it apart from the inside out, like what the experience is within someone's body and, yeah. and the individualization and the spectrum of how it could look. And, um, and also what's really happening in those moments, um, you know, of the baby, when the baby's coming down and is received by the, the mm-hmm. pelvic diaphragm, by those muscles and, and how those muscles receive that baby and the reaction within the body to maybe like push a little bit for that rotation. And then maybe there's nothing for a while. And I, I love to storytell that whole process um, not just with the baby and its positioning of how it come might or may not come down, right? Um, but I'm also just starting to think about, well, if we're going to talk about early active and transition for first stage, well, what is that for second stage? What is that for third stage, you know? And, um, and, and not just from like the outside in, but from the inside out of the experience and, um, you know, of labor land, of that hypnotic space, of uh, that drop within the body and with the baby as well. As Gail says, there's only room for one head in the pelvis and it's not that person who's birthing, right? And so, I you know, that. I, I, I love to that. just make that a little bit more juicy. And of course, you know, I'll move it into, that's one story is the stages of labor. And then I'll move into the hormonal cycles of you know, and how fear gets in there. And then I'll move into the, the gate theory. And then I'll move into finally the storytelling of like the labyrinth and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the one, one path in there's no tricks or dead ends. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's so. universal, only one yeah. way, one way out, one day. In. Um, how does that relate to like, say, um, uh, Wapio's quantum birthing idea like have you have you played with that at all you know I've I've kind of visited Wapio a little bit but I can't talk to quantum birth idea I do know that there's the physiological stages of labor and I've touched upon that and they're similar when I've looked at that um yeah 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 different different um different storytelling I have sometimes seen um people have a schism or like a a disconnect between their physiologic and their psychologic transitions of labor. Have you seen this before where you see someone who is in transition psychologically, but their body has not caught up or vice versa? Yeah. I think we have these gates of terror, doubt, and unknowing (laughs) that show up, um, not just for the people birthing, but for the midwives as well. Right. And that's, I think that's, um, that's a normal thing to happen. Yeah. To have those things, those, those schisms, as you put it. And yeah, sometimes the body just has to catch up for the rhythm to yeah. happen. Right. Um, yeah. you're, ha- you're kind of caught halfway to in, in the middle of the cycle and your, your endorphins haven't quite come up. Your fe- you might have fear that gets into the middle of that. Um, I, I'm one of those midwives who doesn't mind talking about the elephants in the room and the I see that. I love that. And and, uh, prenatal care. And I I think I scare away some of the interviews with it because Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have a problem talking about those things. I think actually they're doorways to deeper work that we can do. Right. And And, discovery. 
And yeah. sometimes it happens to be in the yeah. middle of labor that we are yeah. doing this work and, 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 you know, we do the best we can to set up so that there's that trust there. Yeah. That they know that we're going to hold that space for if there is that disjunct or helping to, uh, you know, and the thing is like anytime, one of the things I've been looking at a lot of obstetrical textbooks lately, and it's like these doorways of words appear to me in the sense of like, you know, incompetent cervix or posterior cervix or uh, the lower uterine segment is uh, fragile and not useful or something. I don't know. They have certain words for it. And I'm like, oh, this is a doorway into some good information. That's because it's been discounted. We know that there's purpose there. <laughs> And I think that even within those disjuncts, there's that purpose for an individual and, and we can't always see it, but we, we do the best we can as midwives to help with uh, holding that space until their body or their mind are able to align. And, and sometimes the disjunct is also just what they expected from Instagram or what they expected yeah. from um, what position they're supposed to squat to push this baby out, but you see them and they're like trying to do these inlet positions while they're trying to squat. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting that this is not a outlet position. They're acting like that, you know, and, and some of it's up here, but then we can see yeah. that, that movement. And you're like, well, baby's either negative three on top of the pelvis or there's a shoulder or a nuchal arm right there you know, the, and, and you can see, see the expectations not necessarily meeting up with um, what their body is telling them. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I love that. I, I love Gail's quote too. I always say um, you can't give birth in your head. There's no hole big enough. You have to give birth in your body, you know? And I feel like this is a perfect example of where I see that happening. They have this preconceived notion of how it was supposed to go and then it's not going that way. And they stay trying to birth in their head and they have to drop down into their body. Um, yeah, I see that a lot. And it's so frustrating as a midwife, right? Because like my perspective is my default is I always want to actually not be involved if at all possible. Like I don't want to lay my opinions or thoughts or judgments on top of this person. I want to just let her do her thing. But then there's these births where you see them, they're just like not doing their thing. They're doing the Instagram thing or they're doing like what they read or told in childbirth or, you know, I, as beautiful as that old squatting video was like, that one was really frustrating because it just showed like, this is the way. And it's like, no, there's, there's actually no way, right? You have to find your way. So what do you do when you see someone who's obviously not, you know, um, not being instinctual, they are lost in their head. What do you, what do you do? Do you do anything at all? Um, <laughs> I don't know what I do. You know, this is where the individual uh, like relationships really come into play is when yeah. you know someone, you can sit with them and validate them and be with them. And sometimes I don't know what they're going through or needing to go through to be able to get out of their head. And so sometimes it's about me being able to be in the mirror neurons and be being outside of my head and just being able to focus on the space, the birth space, um, maybe naming what I see, asking what they're experiencing. Um, 
sometimes even just giving some suggestions and then they can take that up or not take that up. So, you know, it's, I think it's an on, honestly about honoring the process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to sort of shift gears for a second and, um, and kind of talk about your future. So you've done all these incredible, like, I would almost call like ancillary, like you're, you're filling midwifery with things that I think modern mainstream midwifery would not necessarily know to call midwifery, yeah. but it, it's a part of ancient midwifery, much of what you're doing, storytelling and physiology and, and um, relationship development and all of that. So what, where are you going next? What, what is your sort of vision for what you're headed towards? I, I think that I'm, this sounds really big, but I, I think I'm really wanting to just influence the, um, the conversation and the dialogue about midwifery and what midwifery is. Um, I'm seeing a polarization at the moment, which is really um, sad. And also um, on both sides, the nervous systems of midwifery, I feel like is attacking and falling apart and fawning to the medical establishment. And um, and, and it's like, hold on a second. It, everybody can have their judgment about the other side or the other people or how people should practice or shouldn't practice and how they're beholden to this or not beholden to this. And in the end, how are we really showing up for people and instead of just judging people? And so mm. kind of like that idea that let's unite over physiology, anatomy, and caring for people's nervous systems and changing, changing this course of midwifery. I, I think we're getting away from back to the basics. Um, we're losing observational skills. Um, we've, we're taking on medicalized observational skills. Um, we're getting very outcome focused, not just with the birth, but with like palpation, like, oh, I got the LOA, I'm done. Or, uh, and it's like, oh, I'm so good. I'm, I found the cervical dilation. You know, um, that's me as a student. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got it right. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When there's like a bigger picture here. <laughs> and so also this aspect of humility is starting to disappear from midwifery. And it's, and it's, it's like that place, like we've arrived and we've got to pretend we've arrived. And when in fact, we're, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing half the time. It's like <laughs> we're, we're constantly becoming, right? We're becoming. <laughs> all of the time. And it's going to change for every birth. That's how we know it's a bit individualized. And what is needed for one person is not going to be needed for another person. And so I really want to change that dialogue, um, kind of going deeper into ourselves and our own work that we need to do so that we can truly show up for other people. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Not that I have all the answers for it, but it's like, I feel like we're losing palpation skills, we're losing the fetoscope, we're losing um, understanding the, the inside information of the baby or the, the messengers of the, the labor patterns, right? And what's, what's being told from the inside out, it's when we're just focusing on like how dilated someone might be, right? Um, mm, and, so then, true. and then it's like our, our tools are different when we can hear differently. Oh, so true. And the pathways in your brain are different. I mean, my God, there's so much you've just unpacked. I would say, I want to just circle back 
you can see the trauma that midwives are in because you can see all of them having a trauma response, right? And I think all of this is true. Midwifery is losing a lot of these things, but like why is where I spend a lot of my time. Um, and just like we don't want to blame the mothers for some of the challenges that mothers are facing, um, the parents, I don't want to blame the midwives either. Um, I think there's really systemic issues here at play. Um, but like everyone, every midwife camp, as you said, like the birth keepers and the the traditional midwives and the medwives and like the, all the different classifications. I mean, there's five different certifications you can get in midwifery in the U.S. All these camps um, have retreated to a familiar trauma response, right? They're either freezing or fighting or flighting or fawning, like you said. Um, and I, I feel like it's indicative of this bigger problem. What in, in reclaiming our own power, in reclaiming our own pathway um, and, and healing our nervous system so that we're not in a, in, in a fight or flight and we, re, we return to like rest and digest, which is really the state I think we want to be sitting at births with, or even that, that uh, you know, uh, middle ventral experience of like both are there. Um, we don't want to be extremes. Uh, what, what is your advice to, to newer midwives who are seeing this, they're watching and they're looking at all their, their preceptor midwives, like in these either knocked out or hypervigilant states, what, what can, what can they do? What's the first step in, in not losing midwifery, but also in reclaiming their own place in it all? Well, I, I, I want to say first that I, I do believe that there's a legacy of trauma that's been obviously passed yes. down, you know, so we have a yes. family constellation yes. work to do with midwifery. Yes. And, yes. and so part of that is also the responsibility of the preceptor to start doing their own work, right? Um, yes. But as far as students coming in is, is starting to be, be curious, you know, start starting to, um, notice your senses at birth, not divide the birth into these pieces, or this is the only part that's midwifery. I'm, I'm kind of frustrated with that end too, but, you know, but using our senses of our hands, of our smell, of our touch and, and realizing that we can build our own intuition, like intuition's a skill. It's not a skill that, that a lot of people think they can teach, but we, we know neurobiologically that we can teach intuition. We can go to a very simple birth and go back and live it again. And so I, I would also say that's the other thing is, you know, it's frustrating when you don't have a preceptor who likes to be a processor. I'm a processor. <laughs> Me too. I like to go Me over, I like yes. to go over all the nuts and bolts, what happened, you know, even with simple, simple births just like to go back and just see what happened. But, but how did we know that when we walked into the room, how did we know that things were going smoothly? What told, what was the first thing that told us that? Yeah. Was there any moment that we had a different feeling or that we might've been a little worried or like, like started starting to notice things from the inside out, because this is also where we can get back to bringing some of these aspects that I, I don't feel are valued a lot of time in midwifery of, of intuition to the surface. Um, so it's valuing waiting until it's valuing 
um, intuition as um, a sense, as a skill, as well as, you know, things that we feel and touch and maybe even writing that down um, after birth. I think that's, if you don't have a person to process with and process with yourself mm. about your memories of the birth. And I, I, I did that for years. It was very invaluable to go back and and uh, remember the births, literally remember the birth. Um, yes. So, you know, it, and it's almost as if when you process births, it's like, okay, so I, I have a very small home birth practice, although I'll help, I help out a lot of other people. So I go to more births than just my practice, but, but, you know, I only go to what, like I have like two, three births a month. If I'm lucky, that's lucky meaning down <laughs> like two, three is like a lovely, lovely level. And if you process those births, it's almost like you're going to six or seven because you're learning so much more to slow down and be deeper with it. Then um, recently I helped out with someone else's practice and, you know, there's a lot of births in one week and um, less time to process, you know, the difficult places, much less the easy places, the easy places were like, those are all gone. Right. But it's like, and so sometimes we can almost, it's almost like we get to go to more births if we stop and we be with it with quality care. Um, anyways. No, I, I love that. It's beautiful. And um, every birth is a learning opportunity for those students if you allow it to be. And I think this yeah. goes back to that humility that we were first talking about. And I think it circles back to one of the real brilliance of birthing from within. And I, my experience was I, I took, um, well, Pam England was actually the midwifery partner of my aunt who was a midwife in, in, in Colorado, um, New Mexico way back in the day. Um, but I took her first teacher training in uh, May of 2000, <laughs> really, really long time ago. And I just like, it's been, I, I, I've taken many other workshops from her over the years, but it's been um, foundational, I think for me, and it, I heard you say the same thing. And I think most of us who it really resonated with have been those kind of long-term diehards. Um, I didn't spend the money and become an educator because I was already midwife, but I, I've, I've been fascinated by the shifting perspective. And if I could sum it up, it would be just basically, um, this wonderment being in beginner's mind every time, every breath. I wonder, I'm not sure. Let's see. Um, and that, that place, even as a senior midwife to me is, is really worth cultivating. I agree. And, and I think that sometimes as we get to know more about certain things, it's kind of like me going, I don't need to go to the spinning babies workshop, you know? Um, yeah. but it's like, as you, as you have more and more experience, I, I see people sometimes just try to like not, they don't have to pay attention any longer. And, um, and I think that in a sense, it, it just, it just changes our interaction with students or our interaction with the birth or even our presence with the person who's birthing, right? Because yeah. this person has a unique world that's unfolding, right? Um, so yeah, I think that is part of uh, that, that humility, bringing that humility to the birth. 
And it's also, I mean, I, I also focus a lot in the nuts and bolts of midwifery practice. It's also defensive, actually. It's incredibly defensive to not have all the answers, to not be actually uh, an authority and clear about how this will unfold. And when you use language to the client and your informed decision-making documents say, we're not sure, here's what the evidence says, here's the choices, what would you like to do? Then that birthing person retains their own authority and sovereignty over their birth process. And they're really less likely to blame and shame if things don't go the way they would seem. Yeah. yeah, there's an art of uh, doing this work and realizing, you know, in how we do it, who is really at the center here and calling this, right? And um, I think that's, I think that's paramount to how we are, we, how I believe we should practice. And there has to be the humility there. Um, you know, only Frodo yeah, could I carry almost, the ring. <laughs> only Frodo could carry the ring. Exactly. I almost feel like this is like, if we boil it down, this is the dividing point between, um, between all of the challenges, I think. And th this is kind of a new idea for me. So, you know, I, I'm just sort of using you as a sounding board. Like, what do you think? <laughs> but, um, like whether or not you enter a birth space, with this wonderment, this beginner's mind, or with um, authority and knowing, I think is is kind of the dividing point between the the different camps, the 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 future of midwifery, the the experience of the birthing person, the experience of the midwife. I think for new students or new midwives out there, this to me is one of the most important things to cultivate, and it doesn't invalidate the knowledge you do gather. Like I've gathered a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience over the years. I know you have too. We're listening to your brilliance, but it's like, it, it's more about like how you wear it, right? Do I, do I wear it? Like, you, go ahead. You're going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say, there's such so much wisdom with people who are new and how they can see things freshly. <sighs> yes. And, yes. And, and I just love valuing that. Yeah. That and reason. then also yeah. people who are, who've done this a long time, they've got like these, like, childlike things to them too and so it's it's realizing how we're a gift to each other in this birthplace and yeah. and we're what are we there for we're there for the, this birth for this relationship that's unfolding for this for it I mean I, I I do the birthing for within thing of like yes it's the death of how life is and we're part of, you know everything is changing and we're we're sitting there in the in the space being honored to be there to yeah. witness it right and <clears throat> and well, then there's the time does. and then yeah. there's the time that you know that help is needed right well exactly and that's that thing that birthing from within does and I think it's why most people are so like about the whole process is that it it brings death into the center of the conversation not not I mean partly literally like we are walking the line between life and death no birth yeah. is certain right yeah but also in this really sort of archetypical way of being like the the smaller side of you is dying yeah the part that didn't know they could do this is dying the life you had before we're having a funeral for that like that's real and center of the work and I think a lot of people are really miffed about that they're like no no I can totally go back to work and breastfeed and live the life I had before whatever yeah um, well so, you know, there's also an yeah. overarching labyrinth journey for the for the birth workers right yeah there's parts of us yes. dying as we're learning and there's parts of us yes. dying as we're 
we're mentoring and on the way out, right? And we're realizing yes. that, hey, what what are we leaving behind, and how are we are we and how how are we still invested or not invested in in this work, right? Yeah, and did I even matter? Was it even worth it, right? I mean, we could go into the big yeah. conversation, or yeah. I should have just been an electrician or something. You know, those moments where you're I like, should have been a fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A waitress. <laughs> I could have not done anything, one. anything else besides stay up all night with other people's poop and vomit on me. Yes. Why did I choose this profession? Well, uh, it sure is um, a brilliant uh, profession, uh, the oldest profession. Um, and my my biggest I mean, I'm sort of uh, taking stock of my life in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, my biggest gratitude, I think, is that I got to walk shoulder to shoulder with people like you. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, it, I look for, I look back at all the mentors and, you know, that, that, uh, I, I think that that's part of the beauty is looking at the mentors that ha- who make us who we are and have influenced certain aspects of our work, you know, and yeah, um, yeah. just, just recognizing that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. What a gorgeous conversation. I've been waiting so long to talk to you and I'm so glad that we did. And and what a rich and beautiful conversation. Um, Tell people how they can follow you, how they can catch up with you. How do they take a class from you? Um, You can follow me. I'm actually on Instagram now. My students convinced me to get on there. Um, And uh, you can follow me I don't even know what my handle is. At Nicole Morales Nicole Midwife. Morales Midwife. Yes. Yeah. And then um, we'll link I, that below. Yeah. You can um, also, I'm on Facebook and um, I have a blog. I sometimes write on Art of Opening Midwifery. And cool. I have a lot of musings on there over all of these different topics. And I'm going to announce some. Uh, uh, spinning babies, shoulder to socia, and a, like three day workshop and, and breach basics up in LA in mid April here soon, as well as maybe in New Mexico. So, um, awesome. that's about it. Well, we hope you'll reserve a spot for midwifery wisdom in 2023 and be in touch with you about that. Um, just to follow up for folks who are listening, um, the conference, the 2022 conference is happening in November in Galveston, Texas. You can sign up on our website, midwifrywisdom.com. And we have a streaming option if you can't show up in person. That's all on the website. And then we have a brand new download. And I, I was thinking you might love to hear about this too. Um, I do feel like you can teach intuition. And we've created a 10-minute audio and companion downloadable for calibrating your intuition for midwives and birth workers. We have that free on our website now, midwifrywisdom.com. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you, Augustine, for having me. It's a pleasure.